Time now for the nationally syndicated radio show, The World of Lori Zook. And now, here she is, the smart, the sexy, the savvy, divine Miss C. And welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My special guest is Storm Bradford of Mortgage Fraud Examiners. Now, if you're facing foreclosure or if you know someone who is, you're going to want to listen to today's show. Storm has lots of good information for you. And I want to thank you, Storm, for joining me today. Sure, thank you for having me. Well, let's start out, Storm, with your background and how Mortgage Fraud Examiners was started. Well, uh, we've had a litigation support company now for almost 40 years, and it dealt mostly in criminal defense and getting wrongfully convicted people out of jail and that type of stuff. However, we still did um, uh, civil stuff. Uh, I was called in to consult on uh, filing suit against Old Pineapple, where we won $18 million and some other big uh, cases of that nature. But about 10 years ago, we started getting an enormous amount of phone calls from attorneys around the country. How do you win these foreclosure cases? And we said, well, a foreclosure case is a breach contract case. You have to attack the contract. So that's how we got started. And it basically started training attorneys. But it was just too much for these attorneys to learn in just a couple week period of time. So we just said, look, let us do the exams for you. You can settle with the banks. Gotcha. Now let's go through the process of a legal examination. Talk about, you know, what what do people do? What do they submit to you for your company? What does it cost? What's the actual process? Well, the the short answer to what they submit is everything that dealt with that mortgage transaction. More specifically, that means all the closing documents, the appraisal any correspondence to include emails, any notices of default, any substitutions to trustee, any loan modification attempts, forbearance attempts, short sale attempts, um, any court cases filed to include bankruptcies, uh, any nonsense they may have got themselves involved in, like buying a securitization or forensic loan audit or some mortgage elimination scheme or some of that kind of stuff. But basically that's what we ask for. Okay, now who at your firm actually looks? Do they are, are they law professionals that are examining everything? Yeah, everybody here is um, is somehow related with the law. Um, even the um, appraiser that we use uh, works as a judge um, in tax cases and things like that. So, um, yeah, everybody here is some way somehow affiliated with uh, a legal legal background. Now, how does that differ from the different types of exams? You know, you can go, you can go on places like Craigslist and and see people offering all different types. But who who is it that's actually doing it? And I can partly answer my own question before you go on because years ago I knew somebody that did some type of a forensic exam. Now he happened to be a mortgage person, but that's not a legal person. And yet there are a lot of people out there who weren't even mortgage people. They were just someone that you know was selling the service for ridiculous amounts of money and had no legal standing. So how do you differentiate yourselves, you know, your company from everybody else? Well, uh, these forensic loan audits and securitization audits are basically worthless. Um, a securitization audit, for an example, you pay somebody to tell you who owns the note. Well. Uh, you can call your servicer, and by federal law, they have to tell you. A forensic loan audit is basically someone that is recalculating the finance charges, and most of the time, because they don't have a legal background, they don't know what a finance charge is or not, so it's garbage in, garbage out. They're basically worthless. Um, matter of fact, uh, the courts have said that these auditors that provide this type of thing are charlatans, and their paperwork is empty gimmickry. So what we do, though, is, in contrast, um, we examine the whole transaction. Again, a foreclosure is a breach of contract case. The bank's alleging that the homeowner breached it. Uh, The contract's very clear. The homeowner promised that they would make timely payments, and if they didn't, the bank could take the house and the conversation. So you have to attack that contract um, to see if the other side breached first. There's errors that would void it. Uh, there's any tortious conduct that fraudulently induced him into the loan, any set-offs, um, which is 
exclusive to mortgage contracts is there's statutory regulatory matters that have to be followed. So that's what we do. Nobody does what we do. We're the only firm in the country that does what we do. All right. So maybe can you give some examples uh, of some cases without people's names, you know, if if necessary, of of things that have happened as a result of someone going through the examination? Well, uh, like up in West Virginia, Quicken Loans was ordered to pay the homeowner $3.6 million because they overappraised their home. And that doesn't include uh, the settlement that the uh, that the homeowner received from the appraiser. Uh, there's been several, uh, when I say several, there's been dozens and dozens of multi-million dollar awards, um, dozens and dozens of free title to property, and every conceivable settlement offer that you can think of under the sun. So uh, by attacking that transaction, um, it's again, it's the only thing that works. All of these arguments produce the note, MERS, securitization, standing, didn't get into the trust in time, are at best stall tactics. Nobody has ever won a case ever making any of those arguments. Now, they've stalled foreclosures, but nobody has ever gotten financial compensation and or free title to their home. And in most instances, when I say most, 99.9% of the time, the bank comes back and forecloses. Now, I'm down here in Florida, which, you know, is one of the top states for for foreclosure fraud. You know, you, you can read all kinds of articles. I see attorneys post on things like foreclosure fraud saying that they've they've won cases. And, and you and I have spoken about this. Maybe you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, um, most of them are, <clears throat> I hate to, for the lack of a better word, they're lying to the public. Uh, they haven't won cases. Uh, there's, there's one individual in Florida that has a blog that uh, he brags how he's had like a million people go to his blog. <clears throat> um, there is no evidence of him ever winning a case ever or ever being involved in a case that someone won but there's plenty of evidence of losses. Um, there's also an attorney that has a radio show that says that he's won all these foreclosure cases. And um, I contacted him and I said, uh, uh, I can't see where you've ever won a case. I can see plenty of losses. Would you be so kind to show me some cases that you won? And his response back to my email was, I wish I had the time to accommodate you. Right. So he's pretty much blowing you off at that point because he didn't win. Now, you're sm- way smarter than the average bear. How does a regular person uh, check out when an attorney is saying, I've won? People just take, uh, you know, people just fall for anything. And they, so the attorney says, hey, I've won all these cases. It's, I don't even know if that's ethical and they're allowed to do that. That's almost like advertising. But how can a homeowner check out an attorney who says something like that but in reality hasn't? Isn't there some type well, of an ethics violation there? Well, the first question is, if, if, if a homeowner is going to an attorney, the first question out of my mouth would be, how many of these cases have you won where a homeowner got uh, financial compensation and or free title to their home? If his answer is none, uh, if it was me, I'd walk. Uh, I'd find somebody that, that has. Um, another way to do it is is say, look, give me your last three defense, uh, your, uh, your defense motions, your defense, your answers and your counterclaims and or your affirmative defenses and look at the last three and basically you'll find in most instances they're all the same. Um, so this is something that a homeowner needs to know up front before they engage somebody and end up spending upwards of thirty or forty thousand dollars and uh, and, and the outcome is they get a large bill and they get thrown out of their house. Right. Now, I know here in Florida you can look up public records, uh, you know, for foreclosures. But I don't think – I mean, I think if, if someone actually won, I don't know that you would actually see it marked that way in, in the records, correct? Because a lot of times don't they, you know, uh, dismiss it as settled, but there's no real information. So I'm just questioning how can someone – actually check on somebody i know you're saying well, copies, you can but- usually check just by their arguments okay uh, these arguments as i said securitization emerge produce the note assignment standing and so forth they're all stall tactics none of that's going to get a homeowner any money and the bank will just get 
do the you know file the paperwork properly afterwards and um, and end up uh, taking the uh, the home so um, matter of fact I tell people if it was me and 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 I was in foreclosure I wouldn't look for somebody that holds himself out as a foreclosure attorney I would look for someone that uh, uh, is a contract attorney or a tort attorney because this there it's a it's it's a it's a case it's a um uh, uh a breach contract case that that has to be resolved okay now we were talking about the foreclosure attorneys doing the stall tactic thing you know i i would think an attorney would want to win now going years back there were times when you know i have knew plenty of people in this type of situation and i made all i probably contacted over a hundred attorneys storm and I, some of these lawyers would say things like, "I don't want to go to court. I, I don't. I, all I want to do is bill them every. You know, basically, I want to bill them every month, like let, let's say a thousand dollars a month, on a retainer, not do any actual work, and maybe a couple of times a year they would file some motions to do the stall tactic. And I know you call those pretender defenders. Why don't they want to win? Because they don't know how to win. They don't know how to examine the contract. I'll give you an example. We just finished a, an examination for uh, an attorney in Georgia who's been an attorney down there for 45 years. And when he received our exam, he called me up and he, he said, Storm, I've had this on my desk for a year. And I took it from another lawyer that got disbarred because he was making all of these uh, stall arguments and cheated the client. He says, I'm going to tell you what. He says, I got your exam, and I'm telling you, nor I nor any attorney that I know of, if you gave us from now until the end of the millennium, the next 84 years could ever discover what you found in this mortgage transaction. He says, they're not qualified to do it. And since you're the only guys in the country that do what they do, if they don't know you exist, they've got nothing else they can do because they know that the homeowner breached the contract, so the only thing that they can do is stall. Matter of fact, the honest lawyers that do this type of work, they'll tell the homeowner that, look, all I can do is stall. You've breached the contract. All I can do is stall. The dishonest ones, they don't tell them anything. They just keep taking their money month after month after month until they get foreclosed on. Well, when we come back from the commercial break, I actually want to talk a little bit more about that. So stay with us. Okay. Central Payment, your number one credit card merchant service provider in the industry. Providing e-commerce solutions, POS systems, standalone terminals, mobile apps, and much more, call Central Payments' James Carner at 813-777-4332. Looking for the lowest rates in the industry and number one customer service? Call Central Payments' James Carner at 813-777-4332. That's James Carner, 813-777-4332. Do you suffer from back, neck, or body pain? Do you suffer from migraines or have jaw or face pain? Has conventional medicine failed you? Were you injured or in an accident? Call chiropractic physician Dr. Dan Maddock at 813-935-1664. Dr. Dan has helped thousands of patients gain relief for more than 30 years. Dr. Dan is caring, gentle, and takes his time with each patient. He's also a past president of the International Craniopathic Society, a special certification of only 300 chiropractors worldwide. Dr. Dan helps patients from the neck up and the neck down. Dr. Dan accepts most insurance plans. Don't continue to live in pain. Call 813-935-1664. 1664 today. That's 813-935-1664 and get on track to better health. And welcome back to the world of Lori Zook. I've been speaking with Storm Bradford of Mortgage Fraud Examiners. Now, Storm, I want to relay a true story um, involving a foreclosure with a friend of mine who had hired uh, an attorney, and it's actually someone you met uh, when you had come down to Florida to do a seminar. And this attorney actually knew knew his client in a professional capacity before the client hired him, before my friend hired him. 
And so he was very convincing initially saying, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I can do this when you go through the exam. Uh, he had actually agreed at that point to, you know, to keep in touch with you, make sure he was on the right track with what he was doing. And then my friend ended up in a situation where the attorney didn't call him back for three weeks. And so that happened once. And then a few months later, it happened again. Uh, however, he never did keep in touch with you. And all of a sudden, it seemed like he wanted the money. <laughs> and then he didn't want to actually do any work for the money. And so the case was actually falling apart. Now, in addition to that story, when you had come down to Florida and done the seminar, uh, an, another client that I know who who had spoken to you initially ended up hiring this attorney, never went through the exam. Uh, he just decided to go. He thought this attorney would be a good attorney, same thing, and it turned out to just be a disaster. And so this second client called me and said, I just spent $6,000, and this attorney has done nothing. I've actually uh, – the client actually said I've had to correct – a lot of the the pleadings, a lot of the legal documents going to the court because the attorney is making a mess. And so at that point, of course, I shared the story with my first friend of what had happened. So I'm assuming that he probably has fired it, fired the attorney. Is this relatively common and what are your thoughts on it? Because it's kind of scary. You know, you hire an attorney that says I'm going to do one thing and then doesn't do it. That not that malpractice? Well, the, the scary thing is, is that they don't know what to do, and here's why they don't know what to do. you got to remember, <clears throat> prior, 10 years ago, prior to that, there was no such animal known as a foreclosure defense attorney. Uh, they were, you know, maybe a general practitioner, did a little bit of, everybody, a little bit of everything, or they might have been a bankruptcy attorney or a family law attorney or whatever the case may be. And there were no... CLEs on foreclosure or American Bar Association seminars on foreclosure. And the first ones that were ever given were given uh, by this guy in Florida that I said has this blog. And um, basically, he sent everybody down the rabbit hole because he's, you know, clearly incompetent. He's uh, uh, what he tells people on a daily basis just is just utter nonsense. So these attorneys had no training. And so they don't know what to do when they uh, get into this realm of foreclosures. So, again, they know that the homeowner breached the contract, but they don't know how to attack it because they don't understand that it's a breach of contract case and that you have to attack the contract. So they go in and they make these ridiculous arguments, if, if any, and... Um, and that's how they make their they make their money. Matter of fact, this guy in Florida, in one of his uh, seminar books that he teaches attorneys, he says the average attorney that took my courses uh, made seventy thousand dollars a year. They're now all millionaires. Well, of course, because they're they're taking the money from the client. But you know, I look at it that someone who's licensed, you know, whether you're a realtor, an attorney, a doctor, you're basically a fiduciary. You're supposed to be representing that person in their interest, not in your own pocket. Well, here's here's the problem, Laurie. Here's the biggest problem. Um, I've talked to several bars about this. They're all in agreement with me that it's a foreclosure. That a foreclosure is a contract dispute. And I asked them. I said, "Well, okay, we're in agreement with that. So, and if an attorney comes in, if excuse." me, if someone comes into an attorney's office in your state with a contract dispute, and that lawyer fails to examine that contract for breaches, errors, set-offs, tortious conduct, and the like, is that malpractice? The same word was used by all of them, absolutely. So I even called the Florida Bar, and I asked the Florida Bar, I said, you know, the, here you have these lawyers, they bad-mouth judges. They say, oh, the judges are in the pockets of the bank. They, they make all of these onerous statements about these judges. They're taking money from homeowners and doing nothing. Uh, why aren't you going after these lawyers? And the answer was, nobody's filing complaints against them. Well, I can tell you in the case of my first friend that I mentioned earlier, um, he actually did file a, a bar complaint with the Florida Bar. 
uh, the attorney, he filed multiple complaints, and the attorney wrote back denying every single allegation. And then my friend wrote back and proved every, everything that he denied was actually true. And yet the attorney, I think he only got a slap on the wrist and maybe had to take a course. Now, with the second um, homeowner having the same complaint, do you think anything different might happen if if this guy goes back to the bar association and says, well, wait, I know this other person that complained and you did nothing. Why should I even believe that you're going to do something to help me? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, I mean, it's fairly obvious that if you uh, make allegations against some attorney with the bar association that he's going to deny them. So, however... Um, in this case, it appears as though that uh, the attorney got sanctioned, even though maybe a slap on the wrist, uh, having somebody else call with the same problem and then another and then another and another. That's how you get these guys disbarred. That's how these guys get sanctioned. Matter of fact, um, I know this uh, uh, attorneys that have taken this guy's uh, course uh, uh, that on this blog, on his blog, they, um, uh, dozens have been sanctioned. One even up upwards of $300,000 before he was disbarred for making all these ridiculous arguments. So, no, if a, if a homeowner has lost their home, okay, and because of this, the only way to find out whether or not it was malpractice is to have the contract examined to see if there was a problem area. Because a malpractice suit is a suit within a suit, and you have to be able to prove that you would have won otherwise. Um, okay, and so the way to do that is, is you get an examination to find out that there were all these problems, and this guy did nothing. So are you saying that if someone comes to you for an exam and they already have an attorney and they don't think the attorney is doing it you know, legally or appropriately, you can determine that also from doing the exam? Well, we can look at that because we can look at the pleadings. And number two, gotcha. by doing the exam, uh, by looking at the exam, if there's problem areas there, obviously they're not being addressed, <clears throat> and then they can uh, they can go from there. We ha- we have a client right now that um, an attorney down in Florida um, had her paperwork for a year and a half, and she came to us. We did an exam. The minute she got the exam back, she fired her attorney. She said, you've had this paperwork for a year and a half. I gave the same exact paperwork to mortgage fraud examiners, and they came back with proof there was all these problems with the transaction. Right, that's, You had it for a year and a half, and all you were doing yeah. was taking my money doing nothing. And that's the part that, that just disturbs me is people who take money for for doing nothing now let me ask you on the exams is there a statute of limitations on any of the things that you look at well the statute of limitations on everything okay uh, the fraud the statute of limitations in the law will show you that it's from when you when you find it or should have found it so the statute of limitations begins to run from there statute of limitations on breach of contract is different in every state um However, the nice thing about it is, is the statute of limitations may have run on something, so you can't sue affirmatively on that statute of limitations. However, if the bank tries to foreclose on you, although you can't sue them affirmatively, you can use that as a defense in um as the bank comes after you, you can use that as a defense. And what you would have gotten if you sued affirmatively, you could get in a defensive action. Okay. Now, if an attorney decides, uh, you know, if somebody goes out and they have the exam done and they hire an attorney, you know, they hire an attorney, and I'm sure that you, you kind of explain to anyone who goes through the exam the qualities that they're looking for in an attorney. Let's say the attorney is interested in, in what you do. Can you help that attorney, you know, maybe switch their method to actually doing uh, the offensive action? Yeah, well, because, as I said, we've had this litigation support company for almost 40 years. We write briefs, motions, affidavits, jury instructions, complaints, discovery, and things like that. Uh, we basically, uh, if the, you know, we can guide that attorney to make sure that uh, things are being done properly. But the nice thing about um, attacking the mortgage transaction, most of the time you don't even need an attorney, and here's why. 
in every one of these contracts, there's a clause that says that if the borrower finds something wrong with this contract, they have to give the bank an opportunity to take, quote, corrective action. And it calls for the borrower to send a grievance letter to the bank identifying the things that they want corrective action to take. Well, the damage has already been done, so basically the corrective action is to compensate you in some way. The government has made these banks have a system and process in place to handle these grievance letters. So somebody gets the exam done, they take the misconduct that was identified, they plug it into the grievance letter, the grievance letter goes off to the bank and to the bank's lawyers, and we give the homeowner all of the state and federal agencies to CC the grievance letter to. Now you got the government calling the bank saying, hey, wait a minute, what do you mean you did this to this homeowner? So it works like a shot. 99% uh, of the time, uh, you don't even need an attorney. If they choose not to use one, they can just do it on their own. Um, so it works quite well. All right. Well, we're going to do a quick commercial break again. When we come back, I want to continue on a little bit about that grievance letter. I have a question for you. So stay with All us. Right. Do you miss that old school sound that made radio great? Let me invite you to preview Philharmonic's Jack of All Trades at philharmonicblues.com. A collection of Americana blues available as a download for $7.99. You can sample each track on the album page and try before you buy. Philharmonic, Jack of All Trades at philharmonicblues.com. That's philharmonicblues.com. Are you looking for an affordable way to advertise to thousands of consumers nationally? If you own a business and didn't think you could afford radio advertising, you need to call me, Lori Zook, host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The World of Lori Zook. My show reaches thousands of people on 29 AM and FM stations nationwide, as well as through the Internet. Additionally, your commercials will also be heard on all of my podcasts and throughout social media sites. Don't wait another minute. Call me at 813-777-4908. 813-777-4908. And let me bring your message to the nation and to help you gain more exposure. Welcome back. I am here with Storm Bradford of Mortgage Fraud Examiners. We're talking mortgage fraud and legal exams. And now in the last segment, Storm, we were talking, you were mentioning uh, grievance letters, what the homeowner can do, who they can contact. Now, I can tell you, I, when I, you know, I'm working as a credit consultant, uh, I have clients who sometimes have issues, and I often refer them to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And interestingly, in the case of problems with mortgages, I find that they tend to respond back within 24 hours as opposed to the three weeks that they stayed on their website. So is that one of the agencies? And maybe mention maybe some of the other agencies in case somebody's stuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh by, uh, based on the regulations and such, the bank has to reply back within five days once they've received the, um, the grievance letter. So, yeah, they, uh, uh, these agencies take this stuff seriously, especially when you're uh, alleging that they committed fraud or they violated federal or state laws. We even sometimes, when we find that there was a, a bank fraud by the bank, we have them contact the FBI. So, okay. uh, but the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is one, Office of the Control of the Currency is one, the FTC Consumer Complaint Department for TILA and ACOA violations, there's HUD for RESPA and ACOA violations, uh, you can file a housing discrimination complaint online. We have a list, the, last, the very last section of, of an analysis that we do 
that includes a, t a sample template of a grievance letter explains all of the different agencies that, that you can go to. Let me give you a quick little example of how well it works. Okay. Um, we did an exam for an individual in California, a family in California, a year ago this February. So it's fe February 2015. And last November, I get a frantic phone call <clears throat> saying, Storm, call me, call me, call me. So I call the guy back and I said, what's up, Vince? And he goes, he says, they're coming to take my house on Thursday. They're coming to take my house. And I said, there's no way. I said, based on what was there, you could own the bank. And then it hit me, this guy never sent his grievance letter in. Mm. So I said, you never sent your grievance letter in, did you? Well, you know, I got tied up, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, you better get your ass untied and get that grievance letter out the door because here it is Tuesday. They're coming to take your house on Thursday. You're going to have to get the email addresses and or fax numbers of these agencies and get that grievance letter out to them and get it out to that um uh, to the to the trustees and get it out to the bank. Well, that was ten o'clock his time on the West Coast, one o'clock our time on the East Coast. That evening at six o'clock, he calls and he goes, "Wow, Storm." He says, "Did that work like a shot?" He says, "I just got off the phone with the banking regulator here in California. They said they will not be foreclosing on our house on Thursday, and the bank wants to have a sit down to settle this matter." That's, That's excellent. how easy it can be. So a homeowner does not necessarily need an attorney. In, in many cases, they may, may have more due diligence as long as they file that grievance letter in a timely manner. They, yep. they can do it themselves, really. They can do it themselves. And, and basically, the, when, well, obviously, when you would need an attorney is when you're talking millions and something in that vein because they're just not going to cut you a check. They're going to make you work for it. However... The evidence will be there for you to use if it ever goes to court. Okay, now let me ask you another question. In cases where homeowners do win money, do the banks usually appeal those decisions, or do they just say, uh, forget it, we can't, you know, we're just going to pay? Well, actually, in that uh, Quicken Loans case up in West Virginia, uh, the original amount was like $3.1 million, and, and, and uh, uh, Quicken appealed it. And it came back, it was remanded back, and then it got hit with $3.6 million. So they got more money by yeah. being by, 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 okay, by doing that. Now, I want to also talk about modifying a loan. I know a lot about this from you, but I, I want you to talk to our listeners about it because sometimes people think, oh, you know, I should modify it, and that's going to put me in a better shape. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we did a press release years ago uh, – about loan modifications that uh, they're really not that great a sh shake to begin with uh, because most of these are for five years. So if uh, the loan by itself is for five years, after the five-year period is up, let's say that they cut your payment in half from $2,000 a month to $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. That's 60 months of payment, that $60,000 goes on the back of your loan. Right. And then now you're back uh, paying what your mortgage payment was before. I've even seen loan modifications where the payment has gone up. So um, we don't believe in loan modifications and don't have to believe in them from the various... And, and plus, most of these, you're going out there, there's these companies out there that are charging people to do loan mods. You can go to HUD, they'll put a HUD representative on the phone with you with your bank. You don't need to pay for a loan mod. You can, get a, you can do them for free. So, uh, you know, it strikes me, why would anybody pay to get a loan modification when HUD will do them for free? Why would anybody pay for a securitization audit when your servicer has to tell you by federal law who owns your note? I mean, it's just... Well, people don't do their due diligence and they, and, and they don't understand how it works and they're panicky and afraid. I think that's well, probably the uh, reason. What it really is, uh, what it is, is you have all the scammers and all the legally literates throwing mud in clear water. Again, yeah. a foreclosure is nothing more than a contract dispute. The homeowner has been alleged to have breached the contract by not making timely payments, and they told the bank, take my house if I don't make timely payments. That's why the majority of states are non-judicial states, because the legislature said, why do we need to get courts involved? This is basically a confessed judgment. The homeowner said, take the house if I don't make timely payments. Okay, we're here to take the house.
All right. Well, I want to jump in here, though, because coming from the credit end, first off, the banks, in, in, in order to do the loan mods, would tell the homeowner – don't make your payment for three months. Don't make don't make ninety days worth of payments, and then we'll consider you for the loan mod. And what they don't realize that they did was uh, they the first time they make a late mortgage hit, FICO actually revealed it's a one to two hundred point hit on that first late mortgage payment. And so the two hundred point hit is on the people who had higher credit. In essence, the banks told people to destroy their own credit. How are they ever going to qualify for a loan modification when they have a five or six hundred credit score and they? came from maybe a seven or 800 credit score. That, to me, was one of the, the biggest mistakes of all time. And, Laurie, not only did they tell them to screw their own credit, they told them to breach the contract. But how are they allowed to do I mean, are they allowed to do that? No. Oh. They're, they're not supposed to do that. They, they need to consider you for a loan mod whether you, miss, you don't miss payments or not. The problem is, is that they never get the name of the – it's never in writing – they never get anything right. in writing to stop making payments. It's something verbal over the phone that they don't know who told them. And at the end of the day, even if they did know who told them, if it ever went to court, you don't think that person's going to come into court and say that, yeah, I told, I told Laurie Zook not, not to make payments for three months? No, but they do. I know in some states like Florida, you can't record without the other party's consent. But usually, they're. I'm thinking they're recording those phone calls. And maybe if you, you know, made a note to the time and date and the person you spoke with, I don't know if that could be used against them. Right. If you made that in the first place, and if they made a recording. Right. And the other thing is, a lot of times the loan modifications were were temporary or trial. So people would go ahead and pay it, thinking they're okay now. And in reality, a few months later, guess what? Nope, we're going to foreclose, right? Nope. All they're doing, all they're doing is, is, is they're, that three trial payments you're making, they're going through your paperwork to decide whether or not they're going to give you a loan mod or not. You got to remember, these banks don't want to give you loan mods, and the reason why they don't is because when you didn't make payments to the bank, they had to advance your payment to the investors on these loans. Okay. They don't get that money back if they do a loan mod. They only get that money back if they foreclose. Plus, there's no negotiating these loan mods. You either fall within their little computer module or not. So, okay. you know, all this nonsense these people tell, we know how to negotiate this utter nonsense. There's nobody that can make them give you a loan mod. Matter of fact, the government pays them about $1,800 if they do give you one. No. So it's just yeah. – and, 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 and having – I tell people loan modification is a synonym for begging. You're going in with your hat in your hand begging for them to do something for you. If you've had an examination done that's identified all these legal problems – uh, or statutory problems, whatever the case may be, you're not walking in with your hat in your hand. You're walking in with a gun in your hand saying, this is what you're going to do. So big difference. Gotcha. Okay, now, on your website, uh, Mortgage Fraud Examiner's website, um, you have a blog called Living Lies, the Truth, which actually counts. No, it's not on our website. It's a oh, okay. separate, it's oh. a separate okay. website. It's called Living Lies, the Truth. Tell me about that. Well, there's... Uh, I've already spoken about it. There's an individual in Florida that has a blog called Living Lies, and it's a good name for it because most of what's on the website is utter nonsense. And it got to the point that, um, you know, somebody had to, uh, again, you got somebody throwing mud in clear water, so we decided to create this Living Lies, the truth, that basically refutes everything this individual says, and it's not refuted with, and he, it's refuted with court cases. What we do is, is he'll say something that's nonsense. We'll put up a court case showing it's nonsense. Okay. Now, is he aware of your blog? Uh, I don't know if he is or not. All right. <laughs> Just curious because that would be kind of interesting. Um, do you ever talk to a, to attorneys that that you know contradict what you're saying on the phone? Contradict what we're saying? Yeah, in other words, as far as how you do things, do you find that some of the attorneys are going, no, it can't work this way, and that kind of thing? No. No, okay. matter of fact, once it's explained and they and they understand that it's a contract dispute, they get it in two seconds. Gotcha. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, so stay with us. 
suffer from back, neck, or body pain? Do you suffer from migraines or have jaw or face pain? Has conventional medicine failed you? Were you injured or in an accident? Call chiropractic physician Dr. Dan Maddock at 813-935-1664. Dr. Dan has helped thousands of patients gain relief for more than 30 years. Dr. Dan is caring, gentle, and takes his time with each patient. He's also a past president of the International Craniopathic Society, a special certification of only 300 chiropractors worldwide. Dr. Dan helps patients from the neck up and the neck down. Dr. Dan accepts most insurance plans. Don't continue to live in pain. Call 813-935-1664 today. That's 813-935-1664. And get on track to better health. Central Payment, your number one credit card merchant service provider in the industry. Providing e-commerce solutions, POS systems, standalone terminals, mobile apps, and much more, call Central Payments James Carner at 813-777-4332. Looking for the lowest rates in the industry and number one customer service? Call Central Payments James Carner at 813-777-4332. That's James Carner, 813-777-4332. And we're back with Storm Bradford from Mortgage Fraud Examiners. Now, Storm, you were talking a little bit in the last segment about securitization audits. I want you to maybe give a little bit more detail on on securitization audits. Well, again, allegedly what the homeowner is paying for is to see who owns their note. And as I said previously, you can call your uh, servicer, and by federal law they have to tell you. Um, But these arguments in and of themselves – securitization, produce the note, MERS, standing, and all that stuff. They're basically useless arguments. Uh, They're nothing but stall tactics. Because at the end of the day, even if a bank comes in and they don't have standing now, like one of the big things in Florida is the, uh, the bank would come in, they had not received the, 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 the note yet, but they filed the complaint. And then what happens is the um, they argue that the bank didn't have the note when they filed the complaint, and then the court rules on it and says, hey, you're right. And then they look at the bank and say, hey, bank, you know, I'm going to dismiss this without prejudice, which means they can bring it back, and if you want to foreclose on this individual, you better get your paperwork together and do it right. Well, what do they do? They, come, they got the note. They're going to come back and foreclose. Now let me ask you something on the note. Uh, explain what, I think it's pronounced Alange. Alange. Okay. Explain what that is. I've read a little bit about that. Well, usually, if there's no room on the note to put assignments, they put it on a separate piece of paper that uh, that is that is becomes part of that note that basically shows how it was assigned. <clears throat> now, a lot of people, you know, they'll argue that the Alange has to be affixed and so forth and so on, and that means stuck to it they used to glue it uh they you know paper clip it they do whatever the case but there's been cases out there it says it doesn't have to be affixed that way as long as the allonge is there you're fine all right now were there a lot of forged notes i've heard cases where you know they make high quality color copies and they recreate the note because the bank didn't have the note well, that's not true. The banks have the note. Uh, you know, not only we do these examinations for homeowners, we do them for credit unions, small banks, pension funds, and hedge funds that buy these notes from the major players, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, <clears throat> Chase, Bank of America, and such. I think last year, if my numbers are correct, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac sold like $8 billion worth of non-performing loans. Those are loans where the homeowner's not paying. Okay. And this is what they have us examine because the uh, pension funds and such, they have buyback clauses that if the, if the notes are no good, they got to buy them back. So those notes are there. <clears throat> All right. Now, what about bankruptcy? Is that a possible option or is that an unwise option? If, you're, if the only thing you owe, you know, you're in trouble on is the house, what does filing bankruptcy do, do for the homeowner? Basically nothing. Uh, matter of fact, if you go to the Office of the Controller of the Currency, uh, one of the foreclosure rescue scams they identify as bankruptcy for foreclosures. Um, uh, if, you know, you may not owe the money anymore, but there's still a lien on the house. 
um, in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, <clears throat> not only do you have to make your mortgage payment, which you're not making, you right. have to make your mortgage payment, and you also have to pay back the arrearage. So if you can't make your mortgage in five years, uh, as, as, as long as long as five years, well, if you can't make your mortgage payment, how are you going to pay back the arrearage? If you haven't made your mortgage payment in a couple of years, um, and it's thirty or forty thousand dollars, you got to pay that back in that five year period plus your mortgage payment. You know, I don't think a lot of people, even though we we talk about it, I don't know that a lot of people realize that. And since it's, you know, I look at things visually. If it's on paper and you showed me the dollars of what was happening, for example, in a loan modification or in a bankruptcy, when you put it on paper and you look at it, usually there's something in red saying, I'm losing all this money. I'm maybe not making such a good decision. But I don't know that people actually realize that. I know that you try to make them aware of that. Um, Tell me also about some of these mortgage elimination scams or at least buyback scams, other types of scams that you've come across that people should be aware of? What are they and what should they look out for? Well, the mortgage elimination scam is um, something where a lot of homeowners have gone to prison. Um, what they do is is the scammers tell homeowners that this deed of trust was created by you. And because of that, you can change the trustee and, at any time you want. You can do all these other things. So what they'll do is they'll tell them, find a friend of yours to be the trustee and then send in this letter to the bank and tell the bank, if you don't answer all my nonsense within 10 days that you agree that uh, they're to get the house free and clear. Well, the bank looks at it and says, where'd this coup come from? And they don't uh, send anything back. And then what they do is the trustee says, oh, well, this house is free and clear. And then they'll put it in the land records that the house is free and clear. Then what the homeowner does, they'll take a loan out on the bank and then take off. So plenty okay. of homeowners have gone to prison doing that. Now, We've seen a lot of that. Is that, also, um, is that also called the straw man theory, or is that different? That's called the administrative process. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that they call it. It's just it's utter nonsense. It's a good way for the homeowner to go to jail. They don't have to worry about having a house. Yeah. they got a room supplied for them. Yeah. problem is it's got bars on it. Oh, my gosh. Um, so the lease buyback is is where, um, you know, an offer where the homeowner can turn the lease over with an option to buy it back later. Uh, the owner's promise to be able to rent the property back, uh, which will be counted towards an eventual buyback. Uh, sometimes they're legitimate. However, in the scam, most of the time they end up in loss of the property uh, because the guy, he'll put it in somebody else's name or in a trust name or something like that and right. basically sell the house to somebody else out from under him. Um, a lot of people have gone to jail doing that as well. Well, let, let me ask you. I still see people advertising that they'll buy your house that's in foreclosure. How, how, why would they want to buy your house that's in foreclosure? How, how are they possibly going to win? Well, the, well, we've, had, we've, been, we've been contacted by a lot of companies that uh, they've talked a homeowner. I had one guy. He told me that he had 100 homeowners deed the house over to him. Okay. And, and we're gone. They just didn't want anything to do about it. They just deeded the house over to them. And they came to us because they wanted us. Now that they had that, they wanted us to do exams for them to see if, how much money they can get out of these houses. We've had plenty of that. Okay. All right. But that's but, legitimate. But there are people who do that, and they don't come to you. And then how are they possibly winning the house if they're not coming for a legal Well, they're exam? not. And, by, and, and anyway, anybody with, that would do that is not knowledgeable. They didn't do their due diligence because uh, there's a program uh, that the government has that it's basically a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Okay. And they'll, you turn over the keys, they'll give you $10,000 to move. Um, I've seen Chase and a couple other banks give homeowners as much as $30,000 to move. So if the, if the homeowner can't win, hasn't gone through a legal exam, then you know a short sale or, or a deed in lieu or I cash for keys? I wouldn't do a keys. short sale. I'd do the deed in lieu, lieu because... The short sale, you're going to lose your home anyway. Right. Um, the deed in lieu of foreclosure, you can get some money. Okay. Now, what about attorneys being prosecuted for scams involving foreclosure? I, I don't know with attorneys. I remember years ago you told me a story how you, you, you maybe have made phone calls to help get some of these companies uh, shut down for what they were doing because it was illegal. Oh, I see um, on a daily basis attorneys going to prison because uh, they're – they're out there scamming homeowners as well. I mean, it's uh, it's quite common. Uh, just 
I think this week, um, I forgot which, I get one service that basically keeps uh, on top of uh, attorneys that are being disbarred and sanctioned and, and going to jail. And just this past week, I, you know, I saw where about four or five other attorneys had just gone, uh, got sentenced. Okay, becoming a sad role. I think due diligence, those are my favorite two words. Got to do your due diligence in, in what you're doing. You have got to do your due diligence. I mean, you've got to check check it out. You got to check everything. I mean, even if it's an attorney nowadays, you've got to check them out. And oh. I think, you know, you could do that um, through the Bar Association also. And I know AVO, AVVO.com, also shows if attorneys have been disciplined a lot of times. So that's how I actually look up attorneys because I had a bad experience myself with someone who had been disciplined. And had I known that, I wouldn't have made a mistake. So, well, you, know, you know, it's not so much, it, it depends on, again, what type of problem area that you have. It's like I used to tell uh, people that are looking for a criminal defense attorney. Well, let's say that you've been charged with a DUI, okay? Mm -hmm. If you're looking for an attorney, go to an attorney and say, okay, how many of these cases have you done and how many have you won? Right. I mean, this isn't quantum physics. And if the guy says none, walk out the door. Right. Just like these foreclosures. How many of these cases has a homeowner gotten financial compensation or free title of their home? When the answer is none, you need to walk away. All right. Now, we're, we're going to wrap up here real quick, but I know you said you do legal exams for credit unions, banks, um, pension funds, hedge funds, right, where they examine the note. I mean, give me 30 seconds on that. Well, that's matter of fact, we're, we're creating another entity just to handle that. The website is notexaminers.com. We haven't designed the website yet, but we have the domain for it. But uh, that's what we're going to be doing for, and this is for private investors, because you have a lot of people all over the place are buying these notes. And like I said, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Max sold $8 billion of non-performing notes last year, and you have everybody and their sister buying these notes, uh, trying to make money off them. Gotcha. All right. Well, Storm, I want to thank you very much for joining me today. How can people get a hold of you? Well, then go to our website, mortgagefraudexaminers.com. Um, and there they'll see we have a link to all the scams. We have uh, press releases. Uh, we've just done three in the last week. Uh, beware of the latest foreclosure rescue scam stall attorneys, securitization audits, and now homeowners are getting millions attacking the contract there's a bunch of testimonials there's uh just about anything you need to know great thanks very much you give lots of good information i hope our listeners learned something today thanks for joining me today and thanks for having me again you're welcome come back next week same time same channel